Hi, this is filmmaker and author Michael Morin. Whenever I'm not riding my bike around the Davis campus, I'm listening to KDVS College Radio right here. FM. Cool. This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to the program. Uh, This week's show marks our last show of the month, and I think we're going to initiate a tradition on this program, in that... um, at the end of the month, we're going to try and catch up with all the news stories that we you know, just haven't been able to bring to you. So we are going to have a couple guests today. We're going to talk to uh, Brad Friedman, who is the uh, author of the Brad blog on the web, and our own long-promised news director here at KDVS, Drake Martinet, who will talk a little bit about outer space. But let us commence the program as we like to do with this date in history, which of course is February 2nd. On this date in 1887, the first Groundhog Day was celebrated in Puxatawney, Pennsylvania. Interestingly, on this date in 1046, the first known observation of the beginning of the Little Ice Age, which was a 200-year period of exceptional cold, appears in the Anglo-Saxon Chronicle with, quote, no man alive could remember so severe a winter, unquote. That, of course, was back in a time of global cooling. On this date in 1942, Nazi collaborator Vidkun Quisling is installed as leader of a puppet government in Norway. His surname has since entered the language as the name of one who aids the enemy. And on this date in 1990... South African President F.W. de Klerk legalizes the African National Congress and pledges to free its imprisoned leader, Nelson Mandela. On this date in 1848, the Treaty of Guadalupe Hidalgo is signed by the United States and Mexico. Like Mexico had much choice. It ended the Mexican-American War and gave the Southwest the United States in exchange for $15 million. We should, you know, I, I meant to forward promote at the onset of the show. On next week's program, we're going to uh, to bring our own Dr. Andy from KDVS onto the show to talk a bit about a book of poetry that he is going to have published next week. That's going to be fun. So uh, in honor of our literary uh, public affairs host here on KDVS, we have the following quote of the day. This apparently was an exchange uh, that goes back to J.M. Barry, who I believe was the author of Peter Pan. A young writer apparently said to him, I don't know what title to give my book. Barry said, Are there any trumpets in it? Young writer said, No. Barry asked, Are there any drums in it? Young writer said, No. Barry then suggested, Why not call it Without Drums or Trumpet?
You know, we have an email here from Shanta I think I should tell you about. It was noted uh, that, uh, oddly, both Groundhog Day and the State of the Union Address fell on the same week this year, which is kind of an ironic juxtaposition if you think about it. One involves a meaningless ritual in which we look to a dopey mammal to make an inane prediction that everyone knows is rooted in fantasy, whereas the other tradition involves a groundhog. And I think that'll do nicely as our joke of the day. Thank you, Shanta. All right, it's time for the good, the bad, and the ugly. We have a couple of items left over from the Week magazine a couple of weeks back, which we'll now catch up on. They judged it to be a good week for drunks. After a study in the Canadian Medical Association Journal suggested that the health and behavior of homeless alcoholics can be improved by giving them access to a steady supply of free booze. It was in that same week, a good week for drunks in space, with the news that the Russians have proposed permitting drinking on the International Space Station. A small ration of alcohol would help restore their strength, said an official. The magazine judged it a bad week for, and this is indeed a bad week for, traditional definitions of marriage. After a woman married a male dolphin named Cindy in a ceremony in Israel, the ceremony ended with bride Sharon Tendler kissing Cindy's snout whispering I love you into his blowhole and jumping fully clothed into his tank for an embrace. They call him Flipper, Flipper, faster than lightning. No one you see is smarter than he. And we know Flipper lives in a world full of wonder, flying there And from the ugly file, apparently automakers have designed their 2001 line of cars with wider seats to accommodate America's burgeoning buttocks. With 62% of adults now considered obese or overweight, a figure that has doubled since the late 1970s, both Mercedes-Benz and Subaru have widened front seats by half an inch for this year's models. Yes, apparently Honda Civics are wider by three-quarters of an inch, which prompted a Honda spokesman to say the purpose of the change is to meet the growing needs of our customers. Let's do some follow-up here. We mentioned a few weeks back in a whimsical item that uh, Survivor star Richard Hatch was um, (laughs) before a jury charged with evading taxes, and apparently Mr. Hatch went down. 
Although Hatch evidently won a million dollars on survival through his scheming, he was unable to bamboozle an American jury. You know, we got an email from Jack a few uh, few weeks back talking about how the whole uh, avian flu crisis uh, could be a problem should the flu arrive in Iraq. And unfortunately, we note uh, on the web today, VOA News, the WHO is sending experts to probe avian flu in Iraq. They're concerned about a 15-year-old girl who became ill and died. It's believed she died of avian flu. Of course, Iraq does border Turkey, where there have been proven cases. The World Health Organization says it is concerned that bad security in Iraq makes it difficult to move around and properly monitor the presence of bird flu. Jack was uh, quite concerned about this exact scenario, and we will do our best to continue to follow this story. And we did a program a few months back on uh, mad cow disease, and I'd like to read the, the following from um, foodconsumer.org, an article by John Soltes. Deer and elk that are infected with mad cow-like disease, which is known as chronic wasting disease, CWD, carry infectious agents called prions in their leg muscles, indicating that those handling and eating infected deer meat may contract the same disease. University of Kentucky researchers reported on January 26th in the journal Science. This newfound evidence is shocking because the public has been informed that the infectious prion protein, for CWD, was only present in parts of the nervous system, such as brains and backbones. It was thought in the past that only nervous tissues from infected deer were susceptible to spreading the disease. This, of course, is another topic we will be returning to. We talked a bit about Hurricane Katrina a few months back. Sacramento Bee article last Monday. Worthy of note, FEMA brushed aside aid offers, papers show. Workers' equipment were made available hours after Katrina. Article repeated uh, from the Washington Post by Joby Warwick noted that hundreds of federal search and rescue workers and large numbers of boats, aircraft, and bulldozers were offered to FEMA in the hours immediately after Hurricane Katrina. But the aid proposals were either ignored or not effectively used, newly released documents show. The Interior Department, which made the offer, also proposed dispatching as many as 400 of its law enforcement officials to provide security. But nearly a month would pass before FEMA put the officers to work, according to an Interior Department document obtained by the Washington Post. In fact, I guess we should just open up a uh, Your Tax Dollars at Work segment for today's program and catch up on some stuff. Here's an article I've been sitting on since June 11th of last year, article from the San Francisco Chronicle. Most of malaria funds pay for consultants. This appeared in the New York Times. Although its budget for fighting malaria has risen more than sixfold since 1998, this is up to 90 million from 14 million, the United States Foreign Aid Agency is spending 95% of the money on consultants and less than 5% on mosquito nets, drugs, and insecticide spraying to fight the disease. How about this item? Up in Alaska, they're proposing spending $223 million for a bridge to connect Ketchikan, a community of 13,000, regarded as the gateway to Alaska, where the cruise ships heading north pull in, 
to where its airport is located, an island across a quarter-mile channel with 50 people living on it. Currently, you have to cross this quarter-mile channel using a ferry or a water taxi, but a lot of Alaskans, including some Ketchikan residents, aren't convinced that a bridge is necessary, given that ferries run every 15 minutes in summer and every half hour in winter. The last we heard, this article dates to the summer, uh, that cooler heads prevailed and um, the the funds that were uh, designated in a federal transportation bill apparently were uh, sent for hurricane relief. We we hope that's what happened. Here's one we're going to have to do more research and I don't know much about, but the current issue of The Economist notes that um, the Joint Strike Fighter, JSF, military project, which apparently is for an ambitious new jet. Uh, Well, the contract for it is $256 billion. That's, yes, billion with a B. We need to look into this a little more deeply, but of course we know that in the wake of the September 11th attacks on America, uh, you know, I think we have a great deal to fear from Al-Qaeda's air superiority, don't we? I mean, yeah, the trick of hijacking jetliners worked once. It's not likely to work uh, again. And I just, uh, you just have to, the mind reels a quarter of a trillion dollars. That's with a T to be spent for a new fighter defense contract. And speaking of America's rapacious war machine, as I think we just were, article uh, from Knight Ritter from last October, 1023, noted that the Pentagon paid $20 a piece for plastic ice cube trays that once cost it 85 cents. It paid a supplier more than $81 a piece for coffee makers that it bought for years for just $29 from the manufacturer. This is because under some new rules, instead of getting a comp- competitive bids or buying directly from manufacturers like it used to, the Pentagon is now using middlemen who set their own prices. The Knight Ritter investigation showed it was costing taxpayers at least 20% more than the old system. On the other hand, the Defense Department touts the program as one of its best practices and credits it with timely deliveries that eliminate the need for expensive inventories and warehousing. And how about this bouncy report from The Motley Fool? Uncertain times are good for maker of body armor. Body armor company DHB Industries, MXDHB, profiled by Fool co-founder Tom Gardner several months ago in our Motley Fool Hidden Gems newsletter, recently reported a revenue increase of 52%. Net income is up 91% year over year, and order backlog is up 83% from last quarter. Not bad, it says. Business Week noted last August that a private security detail for executives traveling to much of the Middle East now costs $10,000 per day. The price includes airport pickup in an armored vehicle, a separate surveillance car, a third chase car, and a bodyguard. In Iraq, that sort of protection costs $30,000 a day. And I'm sure, dear listener, a lot of you noted uh, this item, which uh, which came out last week. The week before... The annual meeting of the American Economic Association, this is an article by Linda Blemes and Joseph Stiglitz, noted they presented a new estimate for the likely cost of the war in Iraq. We suggested that the final bill will be much higher than previously reckoned, between $1 and $2 trillion, depending primarily on how much longer our troops stay. 
putting that into perspective, the highest grossing movie of all time, Titanic, earned $1.8 billion worldwide. That's about half the cost the U.S. incurs in Iraq every week. And a final uh, bad news item from the world of finance and warmongering. Here's an article from uh, two days ago uh, from the Sacramento Bee, which I think is worth uh, talking about. Headline, Religious Groups Receive Big Chunk of AIDS Funding. Article by Rita Beamish notes that President Bush's $15 billion effort to fight AIDS has handed out nearly one quarter of its grants to religious groups. And officials are aggressively pursuing new church partners that often emphasize disease prevention through abstinence and fidelity over condom use. The outreach to non-traditional AIDS players comes in the midst of a debate over how to best prevent the spread of HIV, the virus that causes AIDS. The debate has activated groups on both ends of the political spectrum and created a vast competition for money. Conservative Christian allies of the president are pressing the U.S. foreign aid agency to give fewer dollars to groups that distribute condoms or work with prostitutes. The Bush administration provided more than 560 million condoms abroad last year, compared with about 350 million in 2001. Well, that, that is a lot of condoms, we'll admit that, but uh, you know, these abstinence programs have not been proven to work very well to date. And, um, well, teaching abstinence just, uh, you know, has a place, but uh, boy, you know, a quarter of the dollars of the $15 billion being spent are going to religious groups. Seems a little excessive to us. And by the way, the opinions you hear voiced on this program reflect only those of the host. They do not necessarily represent those of KDVS, our sponsors, or the University of California at Davis. I think we would do well to lighten things up a little bit as we get near the end of segment number one. Apparently, Brokeback Mountain has done very well in the Oscar race. We'll be returning to our, uh, our, our, our preview of the Oscars in the weeks to come, as we like to do. Perhaps when Dr. Andy comes on next week, he will talk a bit, uh, a bit with us about that. But uh, it was noted in the B um, last weekend that jokes are showing that Brokeback Mountain has gone mainstream. The film, which is about an on-again, off-again affair over two decades between a pair of sheep wranglers, continues its cross-country drive, with the number of screens almost doubling last weekend to 1,190 on a way to predicted Oscar glory. It was noted on the December 13th edition of CBS's Late Show, uh, David Letterman's Top 10 Signs You're a Gay Cowboy, listed number five. Native Americans refer to you as Dances with Men. The article noted that lesbian comic Kate Clinton <laughs> claims homosexuals are mandated to see Brokeback. We get our gay card punched on the way out, she explained. John Stewart, who's going to be hosting the Oscar telecast, is uh, stocking up on some uh, Brokeback uh, comeback lines. The uh, gay actor and veteran comedy writer Bruce Village, who's going to be supplying some of that material, said that, uh, that it's pretty irresistible. Not only is this the first mainstream gay love story in a long time, it's between two cowboys. What greater American icons are there than gay men and cowboys? When you mix the two, it's a stereotype that's just too good to pass by. 
Apparently, Larry David, the comic curmudgeon of HBO's Curb Your Enthusiasm, wrote an op-ed piece in the New York Times. Inspired by the likes of Fox News host Bill Riley in his admission that he was afraid to see Brokeback Mountain, Larry David said that, uh, well, you know, that there's obviously some straight guy jitters out there, noting he had no intention of watching Marlboro men fall in love. If two cowboys... Male icons who are 100% all man can succumb. I'm a half to a quarter of a man. What chance do I have? A gay ranchero, a caballero, can always find someone to pet. And on that note, let's take a, uh, a break. You're listening to KDVS, 90.3 FM, Davis, Sacramento. This is Radio Parallax. I'm Douglas Everett, and we have more to come. Stay tuned. Her garanchero, her caballero, need only ask and she'll say yes. Soon there'll be a fiesta with a blushing bride And the gay ranchero standing by her side If they find a promise that they have in store They'll be counting little chicos by the score 